Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 124 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, and uh, good afternoon to you, and uh, good afternoon to our fans who have been waiting patiently all week uh, for the Canadians to return (laughs) to action, and uh, once they do today, uh, the schedule gets uh, very compressed, and and don't worry, you're going to have Habs hockey every second day from here till uh, May, I guess. Yeah. Um, But this week, uh, it allowed me to spend more time uh, on the on the rocket and uh, watch the Laval rocket in action and and uh, um, and some NCAA hockey and and yeah. uh, so it was great and but you know we're, we're I, I think it's fair to say that we're hockey fans first uh, yes. but anybody that that follows you on Twitter knows uh, that that you're also a passionate NBA fan and and uh, yeah. fan of the the Raptors and and you've had some uh, Raptors games to uh, watch this week. I did, I did, and I had the Raptors and their development team, the 905, so kind of like the AHL of the uh, of the NBA. So I was watching some of their young prospects, which is something that, of course, I love to do because the time working with the AHL report, working with you, got to love, gotta love watching some uh, some young players develop. Uh, but yeah, I watched uh, the Raptors last night, and I mean, it's it's been. Uh, a bit of a different season for the Raptors. Obviously, they're not in Toronto, so it's it's sort of thrown mm. a lot of things up in the air for them. But uh, that said, after a rough start, they've rebounded. They're at 500. They're in a playoff spot, so nice. uh, they're they're right where they want to be. Uh, but Rick, in past weeks, we've talked about this because our friends at DraftKings have heard us talk about it, and the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can become every day. By entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs, this week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. All the action. They have basketball for you. They've got golf for Amy Johnson. Amy Johnson. And for all the rest of us, they have (laughs) hockey and a lot of hockey. Uh, making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's very simple to do. You draft your lineup and feel the heat like never before. Every moment means more 
with a DraftKings lineup on the line. Did you know that DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports? Wow. And DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is quite literally no better place to get in on all the action. All you have to do, now that you know how to play, is just download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. That is code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. You see DraftKings.com for details. DraftKings.com. Easy as that. Nice. Easy as that. So, Rick, with that said, as we said, we've we've been waiting. I've been watching basketball. You've been watching the Laval Rocket, who have gotten off to a good start to their season. We're going to be getting to that in a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, we've been trying to fill the gap because we have not seen the Montreal Canadiens play a hockey game since last week against the Montreal Canadiens, against the the Toronto Maple Leafs, excuse me. So it's going to be refreshing to see them back on the ice tonight. Uh, But before we get there, we'll take a look back at that game against the Leafs last week in Toronto. And before we discuss, I will say, check out the comprehensive post-game review for all the games the Canadians have played at allhabs.net, including the one last week against the Maple Leafs. But Rick, it was a very, um, it was an interesting game. (laughs) The Canadians' uh, slow start, very (laughs) slow start to the game. To say the Uh, least. (laughs) Yeah, I think I tweeted as the game was happening, the Canadians aren't playing hockey right now. Hockey's happening around them, and they're just sort of there. (laughs) And that was was basically what had happened. Uh, The Canadians were... Um, nowhere to be found in the early part of that game. Luckily, they had Carey Price between the pipes, and he steadied the ship, and he allowed them to settle into the game. It took them 40-plus minutes to do it, probably near 50 minutes to do it, until they finally found a little bit of offense in the form of Brendan Gallagher, who made a beautiful play along the boards to get it out front. Philip Deneau passes to Tyler Toffoli. He evens the score at 1-1. Of course, uh, I should mention early in the game, uh, the Canadians gave up a goal. Austin Matthews stripped Philip Deneau easily mm-hmm. out to Mitch Marner, one one nothing early. Then that goal from Tyler Toffoli, as I just said. And then Brendan Gallagher again bats it. Um, a really strange goal hit him in, up in the arm. It came down in front of him, slapped it into the net. And uh, it, was, it was 2-1, and that was the final score. You might have worried that the Maple Leafs with three minutes to even that score with an extra attacker might have mustered up something, but the Canadians did an effective job of shutting them down late, and they get out of there with an important two points against a huge rival who they will see again tonight. Could you imagine if, if, if well, Brendan Gallagher for one, Carrot Price for the other, hadn't, hadn't turned the tide, um, and a whole Oof. week to talk about it, a yeah. whole week to... to to stew on it to really um especially with a little bit of of uh added controversy there was uh, a veteran missing in that uh saturday yeah. night uh, matchup and and uh, watching from the press box and we'll hear his comments uh shortly uh he was after two periods he was getting a little nervous saying um you know i was feeling like i wanted to be in there because we weren't yeah. generating any offense 
Um, but uh, fortunately, f- fortunately, um, the Canadians came back, won that game, and uh, all of those those questions and and those uh, those that negativity uh, was uh, was not there this week. It was um, mostly positive, and and uh, and we heard from uh, Mark Bergevin. We'll, we'll hear some uh, quotes from him. He had his. Uh, quarter mark uh we're quarter of the way through the season his quarter mark uh presser and and um so it turned out to be uh fortunately a much better week than it could have been yeah and we're going to be getting to that bergevin presser that you mentioned uh, in they said what but in the second segment as you said a quarter of the way through the season now um the montreal canadians have have played 15 games and uh, it's a bit bigger of a sample size than the last time that we did some uh, some reviews here on the on the Canadians Connection the podcast. Way too early, so yeah. mm-hmm. The way too early reviews. This is still early, but we do want to uh, take some time, devote some time, and review uh, the Canadians roster and how players have performed at the quarter mark of the season. Uh, that will be coming up in segment number two. But Rick, as you just said, um, where would the Canadians? Have been and and quite honestly, what an ugly week it could have possibly been, were it not for the performance of Carey Price in between the pipes last week against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that was why I named him the first star in my weekly column at AllHabs.net. The three stars, he was easily the first star of the week, and it came in a week where there was a lot of discussion about, well, listen, should Jake Allen be starting? And we had that conversation last week. It's It's been a conversation that when you look at the statistics, goals against average and save percentage, which do not tell the whole story, um, it's one that Jake Allen has a bit of the advantage in, in terms of what his numbers look like in comparison to Carey Price. But you saw on Saturday, last Saturday night, exactly why Carey Price gets paid what he does, because he can settle you in. He allowed the Montreal Canadiens, you should not get 45-plus minutes to settle into a hockey game and still win it. That should never happen. That should not happen. Against the top team. Against the top team. Yeah, Carey Price allowed that to happen last week. That is why he gets paid what he does. And um, honestly, I think that there was no other choice. Brendan Gallagher supplied the offense, and he got my second star uh, of the week, and, and I believe Josh Anderson was third. Um, but, yeah, Carey Price, what else are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, it was and, – and it's we, – we went through it last week, uh, and uh, if you missed any episodes, CanadiansConnection.com uh, will get you to – uh, our archive, uh, so you can yep. uh, listen up to to any past episodes of the Canadians Connection, uh, and we went we went through the the breakdown um, quite in a detailed way. Um, interestingly enough, the Athletic uh, took up yeah. the, the challenge, and um, uh, they looked at each goal uh, that uh, and and maybe we'll talk about we'll save this for the the second segment, but uh, they looked at each goal uh, that. Uh, uh, Carey Price gave up, and and they came up with their own conclusion. Let's let's save that for the, the yeah. next segment. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But Rick, you mentioned um, there was a veteran, a veteran forward out of the lineup last Saturday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it was it was quite a storyline. It got a lot of attention on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, and it got a lot of attention for Montreal Canadiens on Twitter, uh, Montreal Canadiens fans on Twitter. Uh, that is Thomas Tatar. 
a healthy scratch uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada, um, it was it was a surprise. It was a big surprise to see him out of the lineup. Uh, he's since returned. He's returned to practice, and he's playing with Kotkaniemi and Yoel Armia. But for him not to be in the lineup last week, that's huge. And uh, there was all kinds of uh, speculation. Was he injured? No, he wasn't. Um, was he being sat out for uh, a trade? No, uh, that wasn't the case. Um, it's just Thomas Tatar hasn't uh, gotten off to a great start. Um, he was, you know, look, one of the top uh, scorers last year uh, on the top line. He was moved from that top line. Uh, most well, partly because of his performance, partly because of Phil Deneau uh, trying to move up to Foley to help uh, Deneau get going, and uh, and Tatar placed with Kakinami and, and Armia, um, and uh, you know Mark Bergevin said in his press conference, you want to be you want to be patient with these guys because uh, you know that he's a good player, you know he's going to contribute at some point. However, in a 56 game season. You can't wait forever, and especially yeah. when you have a team uh, that has much more depth this season. Canadians don't have uh, injuries, although uh, Joel Armia a couple of games, but but they haven't had any extended injuries. Uh, yeah. They've got a team with depth. If a guy's not going, they've got players who can come up and step in uh, and help out, and that was the case last Saturday. Uh, with Tatar being replaced and, and you know, uh, partly a message too, message sent, message received yeah. and uh, a little humbling uh, for Thomas Tatar and, and we've got uh, a quote from him uh, in our next, uh, in, in the They Said What uh, feature. And speaking of a, of a humbling experience, uh, Paul Byron this week uh, was waived, cleared waivers, and was assigned to the taxi squad. That is Paul Byron, who wears a letter on this team, by the way. Wears an A on his sweater. Uh, sent down to the taxi squad. Cleared waivers, of course. There was a minimal risk of him being claimed due to the size of his contract, the term of his contract, in addition to uh, what he is getting paid. Uh, but, Rick, that had to be a very... Um, uh, I mean, listen, we talked about it a couple years ago with Max Domi. Uh, chirped Zach Smith about being put on waivers, right? Like that is yeah. something that for guys, like that is a point of pride. And I know that Paul Byron's been on waivers before and, and he got claimed by a team and it worked out pretty well for him, but still not something that you'd, you'd want to go through. Well, um, for years when, when uh, Mark Bergevin was asked about his best acquisition, um, he didn't mention Jonathan Duran. He didn't mention nope. Shea Weber. He mentioned Paul Byron claiming him on on waivers um and it liked byron's uh, contribution so much uh that added that letter to him uh and and gave him a a, a pretty hefty contract uh, 3.4 million dollars and that continues right through the 2022-23 season and it appears that that is what saved uh well at least kept uh paul byron uh, uh, w kept him with the Montreal Canadiens because, uh, you know, let, let's be honest, he's he's a fourth-line player at, at this point in his career, and um, although he's versatile and can help you out in different yep. ways, penalty kill and, and so on, um, that uh, $3.4 for a fourth-line player is pretty hefty. And, and yeah. uh, so he... Uh, Mark Bergevin said he was pretty sure that... Uh, they'd be able to get him through waivers this time. But still, 
that 24 hours is pretty difficult for the player and for the team, not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, he he successfully passed through waivers and is now um, helping with the cap situation. Uh, the, the Canadians don't get the full relief of that $3.4 million. Um, they get about a million dollars uh, relief uh, off of the off of his uh, cap hit uh, now being placed on on the taxi squad. But good news is that uh, Claude Julian, in his uh, press conference this morning, uh, said that Paul Byron will be back in the lineup. Um, Corey Perry uh, probably sitting tonight, uh, but with a back to back situation with the Canadians also playing tomorrow. Uh, you'll probably see some uh, flip-flopping going on, and and uh, and the Canadians want that flexibility. Keep in mind yeah. too, Corey Perry, one more game, uh, and he'll have to be either kept with the on the Canadians roster, or he'll have to go through waivers again. And uh, pretty sure the Canadians don't want that. Want to see that happen? Yeah, yeah, that's certainly a situation that you want to avoid because I think a, a player. The caliber of Corey Perry on the contract that he is currently on, that is probably a pretty safe bet that some team uh, might take a, take a chance on him. But, uh, Rick, we will move on because, as we said, Paul Byron was assigned to the taxi squad. Who has been on the taxi squad the entire season for the Montreal Canadiens? Well, it's been Michael Froelich, maybe a guy that you've maybe forgotten about. He's been on the fringes a little bit because Corey Perry has been up with the big club playing games and, and all that sort of been going on. But Michael Froelich is still around and he was sent to the Val Rocket on a conditioning stint, which I think uh, was, it was a pretty good move to get him in some game action. And he looked pretty good. Um, he did. It was his, his very first time in the, NA, in the AHL. Um, and uh, he went down with a good attitude uh, our AHL uh, report team um, had a chance to, to ask him some questions, and you can find uh, that audio on AHL.report. Um, but you know, I just uh, I'll I'll do a, a little uh, promo here for the Press Zone. Uh, the Press Zone is our sister podcast who focuses on uh, prospects, particularly Habs prospects. And coming up this week, there's uh, an interview with an uh, an NHL. Player, I won't say who it is, um, who in was was asked about the taxi squad and uh, kind of said, "Wait, I got to tell you about this Michael Forlite guy. He's a beast." Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you you're gonna want to listen to uh, the press zone coming up uh, this Tuesday. Wow, you won't want to miss that. <laughs> That's uh, quite the tease there, Rick. <laughs> but we've heard a lot about Michael Froelich and, and the way that his work ethic, and that's yeah. been a very positive influence for Ryan Palin. We discussed that. It's a, it was a good place for him to be, to be around a guy like Michael Froelich. So it'll uh, be very interesting to hear that story. Uh, Rick, we will uh, conclude this roster news segment with uh, some news about a former Montreal Canadian, um, Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, who, of course, in the offseason signed with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, well, this week, uh, he was traded twice uh, from Ottawa, uh, along with Cedric Paquette, to Carolina in exchange for Ryan Dezingle, the Senators reacquiring, uh, acquiring Dezingle. Uh, and then he did not report to Carolina because they put him on waivers. And then he got traded to Toronto. So he avoids the quarantining <laughs> and everything. He's staying in Canada. Uh, he has practiced with the Leafs. He's been pictured and filmed in a Leafs uniform, which one of the more jarring things that I've ever seen. I got to be <laughs> I got to be honest. Uh, but yeah, he's with the Toronto Maple Leafs in what might be a good situation for him. 
Well, let's let's hope it is. And and yeah. uh, so much promise, so much skill. Uh, it hasn't worked out in in his uh, stops along the way. With, you know, with with, with Pittsburgh recently. With yeah. Um, so let let's hope he's found a home. And as you said, there's there's potential. Uh, in that there's some uh, underperforming bottom six forwards yes. there that he he may be able to get in the lineup and and hold a place. Yeah, and I think you know for me I've been I've been saying this for all, a long time about Alex Galchenyuk is he needs a stable situation, and you know he's he's we heard Mike Sullivan say that he's got a great work ethic, um, and I always say that you know it's the situations that are that are that are hurting him. And, you know, I think uh, one of my favorite quotes, though, is that, you know, you're either uh, a creature of circumstance or a creator of circumstance. And I think it's it's time now Alex Galchenyuk has to be a, a creator of, of that circumstance. Um, and this seems like a good situation for him. As you said, maybe some guys not performing in the, in the bottom six. He can take a spot. Um, and, and, yeah, we just hope for the best. Because I want to believe that someone that, that has the work ethic, as Mike Sullivan talked about, uh, has the work ethic of Alex Galchenyuk. I want to believe that it'll work out for him. So uh, let's hope. Uh, but Rick, I think it is about that time for a Rocket Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Boy, those oh, guys do a great job, don't they? Yeah. My gosh. Who who was that, by the way? That was a tremendous voice read. That was fantastic. Um, we have, <laughs> so a, Rick, we have yeah. a, a voice actor in our midst, uh, a hockey reporter in our midst. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're very lucky to have Amy Johnson yeah. and, and uh, Chris uh, Chris covered the game <laughs> last night. Chris G. Uh, so a great team over at the AHL Report. Absolutely. And we'll be getting into yeah, the Laval Rocket here. Um, but we'll start with Ryan Paling, who uh, scored his uh, first goal of the season on Friday night. It was, uh, it was a beauty. Um, uh, shot came, uh, went wide. Uh, and uh, Ryan Paling driving to the net knew exactly where it was going to go. Uh, had the open uh, side of on Joey Decord and uh, and and potted it for the the Rockets' first goal. Um, the Rocket have only played the Belleville Senators so far in, in yeah. a four game uh, stretch, uh, uh, a four game series this this uh, to start the season, and um, and they've done pretty well. Um, They've won three of those, uh, lost one, uh, and and by similar scores, five one five one five two were were the wins last night, um, at uh, at the Bell Center, uh, beating uh, the Belleville Senators five two, and and certainly uh, Ryan Paling, uh, as Chris G said, he was all over the ice last night, um, had a turnover um, that that led to a goal on Caden Primo, but for the most part was uh, tremendous um, uh, and using his size, um, being in the right spots and and playing a 200-foot game. Yeah, and these are all great things to hear about Ryan Paling. And, of course, you said uh, Chris G., Amy Johnson, and, and yourself do a great job of covering the Laval Rocket. Um, and, yeah, he's somebody that you have to be excited about if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan 
The next guy we're going to talk about, uh, you know, he was he's sort of a guy that is in the mix of those left-shot defensemen. Remember back a couple of years ago, the Montreal Canadiens just drafted exclusively left-shot defensemen in, in one draft. It was 2019, I believe, and it was Johnny yep. Fairbrother. And he is one of those guys that's sort of in that mix that you might forget about a little bit, but he picked up his first assist in his first pro hockey game. It was his first chance. Um, they're rotating... Uh, rotating veterans, rotating some of the young guys in. And we remember that um, uh, the CHL players, whether it be Caden Gooley or a guy like Johnny Fairbrother, uh, until uh, the uh, uh, CHL, and in this case the WHL, uh, gets underway, they have the opportunity by special agreement to play in the AHL. So Johnny Fairbrother's not going to be around uh, for much longer. Uh, but got into game action last night. Looked pretty good. He's he's uh, feisty and and engages yeah. all over the ice. Um, and I mean he he makes uh, you know some some junior mistakes. He got caught in a pinch, but um, but but for the most part he looked he looked very good. And it was his shot uh, that uh, that went wide and almost looked like it was on purpose off the backboards out to Ryan Paling. Uh, so in his first pro game, uh, Johnny. Fairbrother gets his first pro assist. Yeah, and by the way, he's got a great name as well. He's got that going for him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Rick, we'll move on because there's another guy that played uh, his first pro games uh, this week, and it was Jan Meshack. And obviously, Hams fans very excited about the 2020 uh, second-round pick, Jan Meshack, who many feel is going to be a a very good player and has got the potential to be a very good player. and obviously, he's in the same situation as a Gianni Fairbrother, that the special agreement in place, he's going to be in the AHL until the CHL. If that if that gets to a point where he could play for uh, Hamilton, he'll go back there. But for now, played his first games as a pro. That first game he was in, uh, and it, it took him a couple of shifts to to get his feet under him, but uh, we remember him in, in the World Junior Championship yeah. where he played in every situation. Uh, and he's a hockey player, I, and that's he's, that's the yeah. highest compliment I can give. <laughs> he is a hockey player. He's a rink rat. He's a guy yep. who loves being on the ice. Is a huge competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, during the, the the training camp where where you know the the Rocket season was delayed, um, and he was just uh, a sponge absorbing all the information, asking lots of questions of of uh, head coach uh, Joe Bouchard and. Um, but that first game, uh, he could have taught a masterclass in face-offs. He was dominant yeah. on the face-offs, and <laughs> seeing him get real low and win just about every draw uh, with the Canadians, especially their young uh, guys having such a, a, a hard time winning face-offs, um, it, was, it was really refreshing to see, but it's, it's because... <laughs> He, he doesn't want anybody to, to beat him. And um, I, I really enjoyed uh, watching him play in the, in, uh, in the games this week. Yeah, was that phone conversation with Thomas Placanich made, uh, made all the difference. There you but, go. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, right? Remember back to the World Juniors, and you can marvel at the skill of, of Jan Mishak, but the one thing that stands out to me was, I believe it was against Russia, made that sliding block on a two-on-one. Yeah. Right. Like those are the things that you look at Jan Mishak and you say, that's what excites me about this guy, that he has the desire to win the competitiveness in him, that he is going to make that type of a play. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great. And the face offs is icing on the cake. It's funny you mention that uh, because he made almost an identical play 
uh, in yeah. the game against Belleville this week, the third game that that they ended up, he made an incredible block, uh, and it came off his body. At, uh, and unfortunately, Michael Pozzetta wasn't uh, covering his guy, uh, and uh, the block was successful. Michael Pozzetta wasn't, and and it ended up being a Senators goal. Uh, but we saw it, it almost an identical play. He's he's willing to to do whatever it takes. Uh, for his team, uh, this is this is an exciting guy to to watch. Even when he goes back to junior, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just gonna want to keep your eyes on him. Another guy you're gonna want to keep your eyes on, Jesse Yolonen, uh Picked up two assists in Laval's five-two win over Belleville, and he has just been uh, hearing Amy Johnson and, and yourself and Chris G rave about this guy and the work ethic and the skill i mean it's 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 very exciting to hear uh interesting that that amy was uh on uh tsn 690's coverage uh last night she was yep. the uh the the feature interview of the second intermission and she was allowed to to uh to talk about i mean you know we've been doing we've been doing coverage of uh the canadians ahl affiliate uh, way back to 2007, we've been credentialed since 2013. Amy Johnson's uh, been had uh, the focus on on the ice caps and and then uh, the rocket, and and she was able to provide her expertise. But uh, Jesse Jesse is a guy I was I've been excited about since the we saw him in the development camp. Um, and we know that he came um, in March last year to join the rocket. And uh, had a had a minor injury, and while he was dealing with that, and he was just set to come back in the lineup, and the season was paused. Uh, so he's been he's been uh, anxious to get in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this guy, this strong skater, really smart, excellent um, puck mover and and playmaker. Um, I don't I he he's got good size i don't know how he'd stand up to the 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 physical play of of the nhl but he looks like uh at this point he's too good for the ahl he he really looks like um a, a player who is close uh and um and, and and i'm not rushing anything and we always say that be patient <laughs> with prospects and and don't overhype them uh yeah. but this guy has looked really good for the rocket in the first four games Exciting times in Laval. So uh, we'll, you want to follow along with Chris G., Amy Johnson, the AHL Report, to follow all that. Rick, uh, very quickly, we'll get to an update on Cole Caulfield and Jordan Harris, who Mark Bergevin spoke on in the press conference we're going to be getting to in just a little bit. Yeah, uh, this is the Rocket Report, but we want to include other prospects as well. And um, uh, Cole Caulfield in action last night. Um, it was kind of a comeback win for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers over Notre Dame uh, that uh, they, they rallied. They were down two goals and ended up uh, uh, with a 4-2 win, empty net goal there. Two goals from Linus Weisbach, Cole Caulfield's uh, line mate. Cole Caulfield had a goal and an assist for the University of Wisconsin and was named uh, the game's uh, third star last night. Um the other uh, a player um, uh, that we'll be talking about, or uh, yeah, a little later, is Jordan Harris. And um, Northeastern was in action last night. Plays for uh, in the NCAA for Northeastern. Northeastern they played against uh, UMass Lowell, uh, and unfortunately, Northeastern lost the game four-one. Interestingly enough, that uh, Jordan Harris was out. Um, 
with an unspecified injury. He's, he's going to miss today's game as well. And um, that the the reason that uh, the coach uh, talked about afterwards, the head coach of of uh, Northeastern, uh, was the f- was the failure of their power play. Um, that they the the power play struggled mightily in the absence of defenseman Jordan Harris. Uh, so uh, their coach says uh, we were a little dis- disjointed on the power play. Certainly not having. Jordan Harris doesn't help. We just never seem to get into a rhythm on the power play. So a little bit of uh, of uh, a compliment uh, as yeah. such uh, for Jordan Harris saying uh, they had a, a tough game uh, and perhaps uh, that was uh, a reason that uh, they, they lost last night. Uh, we hope to see Jordan Harris back in the lineup pretty soon. Yeah, and we'll be following along with, with Cole Caulfield, Jordan Harris, uh, as we did last week with uh, Sean Farrell as well. All these mm-hmm. prospects in the weekly report, uh, the prospect, the Laval Rocket report here on the Canadians Connection. Uh, and we should say that, as we said, the Laval Rocket season is underway. So you're going to want to check out daily reports at ahlreport.com. Laval Rocket off to a very good start to their season. Granted, all games against the same opponents, uh, against the same opponent, but uh, it's a good start nonetheless. Uh, but Rick, we'll move on to one of our favorite segments here on this podcast. They said what? And this week, we're going to feature some of uh, our favorite clips. And we got um, two, we got two quotes here: uh, one from Tomas Tatar, one from Paul Byron. Two veterans who uh, they were. Uh, unfortunately, the subjects of some tough decisions that took place this week. First, with the Tomas Tatar healthy scratch last week against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, when you experience something like that in uh, the regular season, you feel a shock. But at the end of the day, it's not my decision, and I had to respect it. You know, um, you want to be a pro about it. You just have to respect the decision. I was very happy. Guys did great, and they they won a big game. It wasn't an easy game, so uh, I was watching the game. You know, I was a little nervous. You know, when you see, um, you know, we didn't score a goal after second period. I was itchy, you know, to get out there and help the guys. But like I said, I was really happy. They they turned it around and, and won the game. It was a battle. Yeah, we did uh, talk. You know, even previous games. Um, what he would like to see from me. I mean, you know, you once you dress and you on the ice, you're just trying to do the best out there. You know, you wanted to help the team as much as you can. And, um, you know, that's what I'll try to do. You know, when uh, I get back to the lineup, I'll be ready and uh, I'll try, you know, to do my best out there. I was just, you know, to like to play with more confidence, you know, in, in a certain situation. And, um, you know, obviously maybe handle puck better and uh, have more shots on an ad to create more space and chances for me. Obviously, when you every time when you get the chance, like, you know, I want to be a little more calm with it and, yeah, I think I've been in these situations, so I'm not too worried. You know, I will work hard and uh, prove myself. You know, I watched the video, you know, how I can improve and be be better. Uh, we'll see if it helped or not. We'll see if it helps or not. Um, yep. <laughs> Thomas Tatar is always a fun interview because uh, he's very honest and, and he seems like a very easygoing uh, kind of guy, but um, as he said, he was he was quite surprised by uh, by this decision. He knew had a, an idea that um, you know this is his game wasn't at the level that he wanted it. Uh, that he, that Claude Julian had spoken with him and said that uh, that he needed more. Um, he, as as a as a veteran, he he wasn't happy sitting out, and he he said that that. Uh, 
in that game he sat out against the Leafs. He was he was nervous for the for the team, uh, not generating much the first two periods, and and he, he, you heard him say he was itchy to get in there and and contribute if he could in yeah. in, in in the third. Um, but he talked about the kinds of things that he needs to do better uh, when he's in the lineup. Um, play with more confidence. Uh, handle the puck better and, and not be turning over the puck uh, as much. Uh, and and be calm, uh, he said. Uh, there's there's been we've seen him uh, uncharacteristically kind of uh, panic, uh, turn over the puck, and and uh, um, and and that's that's I think what uh, Julian has talked to him about and wants him to be better at. So, um, interestingly enough, you know, maybe at times uh, during uh, last season or the season before that these kinds of things were happening. Uh, but without much depth in the lineup, you can't take a guy like that out. Also, um, in a more compressed line, you can't be patient with these, this kind of uh, play. Uh, things happen much quicker and, and, and mis- mistakes have the possibility of being magnified in a shorter compressed lineup. So I, I, I thought all very honest, uh, an honest self-appraisal by Thomas Tatar. Yeah, and I mean, look, the Montreal Canadiens are going to need more from Thomas Tatar. That's that's the reality of the situation. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, this was a motivating process for him if he comes out. As we said, he's been practicing with uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Yoel Armia. be interesting to see if that's a line that generates some positive momentum uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, we'll move on to uh, Paul Byron who discussed the uh, stressful experience of being placed on waivers. Uh, you know, my wife was, you know, pretty in shock and, and surprised by what happened. And, you know, I've had support from her my whole career. Um, we've been this position before together. And, uh, you know, she was pretty you know, reassuring, uh, did a really good job kind of, you know, keeping things stable and normal. And we just had the, uh, the attitude that, you know, whatever happens the next day, tomorrow, uh, we'll deal with it when it comes. And that's all you can really do. Don't try and get in your head. Don't try and overthink things and, you know, just, just see what happens and, and deal with things as they come. And that's all you can really do. Uh, I mean, I didn't want to go anywhere, to be honest. Um, my agent asked me if I did, and I, I told him, no, I'd prefer to stay in Montreal. You know, we had a team meeting at the beginning of the year. We looked at the roster. We knew how good everybody was. It's not very often you have 13th and 14th forwards like you know myself, Corey, you know Michael Forley playing and or capable of playing for us. And you know the reality was, you know we have a really good hockey team, and unfortunately you can't play all 14 players. And you know this is a team I want to be on. I want to win here. I want to be the best player I can for this team. And you know I I wasn't ready for a fresh start. No, I, I wanted to stay here. I wanted to work. I wanted to compete, and I wanted to show that I'm capable of playing better. I know I'm capable of playing better, and um, you know I look forward to the opportunity to, to be able to show that. You know, honestly, I mean, I was hoping I was going to stay here, um, and and it happened. So, you know, it's a business decision, and you got to live with it. You got to move on, and you just got to be a good pro about it. And you know, that's just what I've been trying to do with it. When looking for these, as as you said, this is uh, one of uh, the more popular segments with our, our listeners. They said what, and when looking for the clips, you want to kind of uh, grab clips that. Uh, that that talk to the the important stories that happen in the week and and these were these were tough decisions uh yeah uh by by Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien uh dealing with two veterans and and it happens that both of these guys um you know gave very thoughtful answers uh, they're both very honest and Paul Byron was you know 
completely honest, saying that his game wasn't at uh, where he wants to wants it to be, or the team needs it to be. Um, but still, p- being placed on waivers again this time by the Montreal yeah. Canadiens, especially with uh, wearing that letter, um, he was he was in shock. Uh, he he was surprised. His wife was in shock. Um, and uh, but he understands that it was a business decision, and that that he tried to um, deal with things normally. He went to the rink. He he uh, he 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 didn't change his routine, but it was still stressful for those twenty four hours before he found out uh, that he was remaining. Um, his agent, uh, as his agent sh- should, checked in with his client and said. Um, you know, are, are you wanting to move on? Is this an indication that the team isn't, uh, doesn't want to have you around? And Paul said, no, I, I, I want to stay here. I want to, uh, I want to remain with the club. I want to win with the club. Um, and, uh, and it's just, he referenced that meeting at the beginning of the season, uh, where they talked about, uh, that this, these very situations coming out where difficult decisions were going to have to be made because of, uh, of the depth. Um, so, uh, Paul Byron, uh, went through that process, uh, and, uh, Mark Bergevin said it, it, you know, both with Thomas Tatar and with Paul Byron, we want them to be a part of our team. They're going to be back in the lineup, um, uh, when, when they can help us. Uh, and this isn't a reflection on that. It's a reflection on, uh, the kind of business decisions we have to make. And Paul Byron seemed to agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, overall, I think very positive things to hear from Paul Byron coming out of an experience like that. That is not something that a player wants to have to go through, um, but he seems to have a great mindset. And I think that you're going to see a Paul Byron that is that is much, uh, much more motivated um, after this experience, obviously, <laughs> maybe not the way you want to get there. But uh, in the end, perhaps it benefits the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Rick, we know that in a compressed season like this, the sports science department is leaned on a little bit more to sort of figure out when you're going to get peak performances out of guys and what type of, especially for goaltenders, that's the main thing here, right? You want, and that's been the discussion about Carey Price and Jake Allen getting a nice split, so Carey Price is well-rested. Well, they're going to be, there's there's plan, there's plan a plan in place for the Montreal Canadiens to follow for the, a hectic few months that is ahead for the Montreal Canadiens. And Claude Julien touched on that. Well, I think uh, with them, it's, it's, it's a lot about, uh, you know, where the guys are at certain times of the year. And we're talking about, you know, fatigue, recovery, and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I've, I've met with them regularly, to be honest with you, and, uh, and to see where we are as a, as, as a team and even to look at certain individuals. You know, obviously, some play more than others and all that stuff. So uh, we're trying to stay on top of that. I mean, it's a, I guess it's a, the, the new way of doing things here in hockey where it evolves, right? We got all kinds of uh, information here that helps us, uh, you know, see where guys are fatigue-wise, recovery-wise, and all that stuff. So we have a hectic schedule, and I think uh, those guys will be uh, really important for us to, to hopefully uh, keep us on top of things. There's an old coach uh, dealing yeah. with these newfangled <laughs> ideas. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, That's but, yeah. But at least he's embracing uh, that. Um, you know, you know, Pierre Lard, who who uh, heads the the sports science staff, um, they they are constantly testing, constantly monitoring. They have uh, baseline numbers they look at from the beginning of the season. 
and it helps. Um, you know, the the coaching staff has to balance um, uh, practice time, which uh, fortunately the Canadians have had uh, a lot of it this week. But they won't as as they move into games every second day. They're not going to be able to practice like they they have. Rest is is important. You heard him say. Uh, you have to manage that fatigue and and uh, op- give opportunities for recovery, and it's the sports science staff that help uh, along that. Uh, they, they're they're much more important than they used to be. And a coach uh, yeah. that isn't necessarily didn't grow up, didn't didn't start his career with having those kinds of resources, now does. And uh, and and he said that he's leaning on them a little more heavily and will going forward as the Canadians go into it tough stretch of their schedule yeah and I I think we heard a lot about that too in baseball this past year right with pitch counts strict limits in place because sports science has become so much of what's gone on in in sports and basketball and baseball and now in hockey we're starting to see it and you have a lot of these old school guys that are are having to deal with it right and Claude Julian is his old school right so this is going to be it's it's funny to hear as you pointed out uh, (laughs) talk about the new wave new way of doing things but Rick we'll move on because as we said Mark Bergevin had a press conference this week uh, to review the first quarter of the season for his team uh, and uh, he has some strong views about the Habs special teams at the end of the day they have to take responsibility you know we they have assignment that they're being told and you know and a lot of do lots has to do with instinct but you have to remember power plays are guys who have higher skill level and they like to make play and sometimes the plays are not there and the, their mentality is to force plays instead of making the easy like a point shot and go for a rebound so it's it's you know it's a tough job for a coach to try to say guys it, the place is not there go back to the point hammer at the net and crash the net and uh but these guys the reason why they're the power play because they're skilled they want to make plays and you know Penalty killers are watching tapes and they adjust and it, it's it's always a battle. So it's you know it's that's a reality that we have to deal with. I think we need to be better. We have to be better killing penalties. Uh, you know I have my opinion and I share with the coaching staff what you know. I think you know if you get a time take away their time and space because those guys are those guys are like I said they're skilled players. If you have time and space, uh, they make plays and then you don't want to be caught in between when you're too aggressive. You know they'll make quick plays and it's then you get beat. So it's always a fine line. But yeah, we you're right. We we need to be better at uh, on our special teams. Just to put this into context, um, that Mark Bergevin spoke on Monday, um, that was, you know, just a, a couple of days after uh, Thomas Tatar had um, had had been scratched from the lineup. That was just uh, when he spoke. It was a half an hour after Paul Byron had cleared waivers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and he was there, as he said, that uh, he doesn't get an opportunity uh, to to uh, address the, the the media and 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 through the media uh, address the fans uh, often enough and and uh, so at the the quarter mark he was uh, giving his thoughts uh, on a wide range of, of subjects and here we heard him talking about uh, the Canadian special teams which you know we we had uh, spoken about uh, before the season uh, began that the Canadians would have to be much better if they were going to be yeah. a contender on uh, both the power play 
and uh, and penalty kill and um, and they haven't been uh, overall they haven't been we've seen uh, the Canadians uh, uh, kind of a, a gambling penalty kill yeah. where uh, you know they're <laughs> high they're, risk yeah exactly they're they're scoring uh, seven shorthanded goals but but uh, giving up goals on the other end and and the power play has seemed good at times but then went on a, a long over over stretch so. Um, you heard him say that that he has views. He's passed a lot of those views on to the coaching staff. Uh, interestingly enough, that where where on the power with respect to the power play, we all want to see at least we've spoken about it, and you see it on social media. We want to see better play uh, down low. We want to see players driving to the net. Uh, a couple of podcasts ago, we heard Julian said. Um, uh, he was asked, why do they keep going back to the point on the power play? And he basically said, because I told them to. Uh, we, want, we want them. They're, they're taught to, to do that. And we heard Bergevin say the same thing. We want to make sure that uh, the power play, when, it, when they run into issues down low, that they go back to the point. A, a simple point shot is taken, get that shot through, and then go for rebounds. He, that's how he's seeing uh, success uh, on 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 the potential of success uh, on the power play, um, and and you know he spoke about so many more things, uh, but um, I I thought it was interesting when he talked about the schedule. Uh, he talked about players, uh, as I said, this was just after uh, uh, Paul Byron clearing waivers, just after Thomas Tatar, and and he said, listen, we want to be compassionate, we. We want to uh, be loyal to our players, and we want to help them go through the ups and downs. However, um, because we have more depth, because the schedule's compressed, we, we need to make tough decisions. Um, and he mentioned specifically three players that they need more from. Uh, and he, he was very specific uh, that Tatar, we need more. Uh, Paul Byron, we need more. Phil Deneau, we expect and we need more. Those three players um, he called out publicly in the press conference as needing more from. And and I think, I, to, to be honest, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that he's he's found the guys that the Canadians do expect a little bit more from, given their resumes, given their track records. Um, so, yeah, uh, pointed words there, perhaps an attempt to fire up, fire up those guys, get a maybe a... Light a fire under them, see how it goes. But Rick, uh, we will move on because he also talked about college players, and we just discussed Cole Caulfield and Jordan Harris. He talked about college players who might, who may graduate at the end of the season. Well, caps, he all got. First of all, it's gonna depends where we at at the deadline. With you know, whenever he's done, uh, there's also the 14 days quarantine. You know, he's playing really well. We we you know we watch you know Scott Mellonby doesn't live far from Wisconsin, Madison, so he's able to drive and, and watch him play quite a bit. So is Rob Ramage. So he has progressed a lot in the last year. But again, it's too early to tell you exactly what are the plans are. But expect him to turn pro after this year. And now where can he play once his season's over? That's, you know, remain to be seen. I mean, again, we have have discussion with with a few defensemen who are in college. One is Josh Iris. But again, until, you know, his season's over, we don't have a confirmation. But, you know, we feel that he's really close to becoming a pro. And that's something we're looking at closely. 
So um, just to clarify, the the beginning part of the clip, what he was referencing Cole Caulfield. He didn't reference yeah. him by name, but that's who he was asked about and said that uh, they're pleased uh, with uh, Caulfield's uh, progress. Um, he, he, he has been um, making progress and, and is better this year. Uh, they've had eyes on him with Rob Ramage and Scott Mellon be out to, to watch those games. Um, and that uh, that uh, he has said that Caulfield uh, will uh, turn pro after the se- after the Wisconsin season uh, is over, and that could go as late as April 10th, I believe. Uh, the the NHL trade deadline this year is uh, April 12th. Um, so I I think that's an important part. Now he said uh, yes, he'll probably turn pro, but. We have to consider the cap. We have to consider that he'll be on a, a two-week quarantine. So it's too early to say where he's going to be in the lineup, uh, in the in in our organization. Sorry, whether it's that's going to be with the Laval Rocket, whether it's going to be with the Canadians, we just don't know. The second half of the clip was uh, about. As he said, Josh Harris, that's Jordan Harris, Jordan <laughs> Josh Harris, I guess. Um, and um, less definitive about uh, about uh, Jordan Harris, uh, but uh, they've been very impressed with his play. And uh, it sounds like there have been discussions about uh, Jordan Harris turning pro after his season is finished uh, at Northeastern. Yeah, just one of many of those left-shot defensemen that the Canadians have that they've drafted the past couple of years. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, if he makes it uh, as well as, as Cole Caulfield. But Rick, we'll move on because uh, NHL COVID protocols, uh, it's something that we've discussed the last few weeks. And this week, there was a really, really interesting video on the Canadians' YouTube account. Um, I suppose it's on the website as well uh, with Graham Rhinebend and... Um, going through the process all the work that goes in behind the scenes so that we get to watch hockey at the bell center these guys all the staff uh that are uh attached uh the equipment staff the the uh the athletic therapists the all of the extra staff are have busy lives (laughs) during the (laughs) hockey season and uh they have a whole new layer added uh, Graham Reinben is a compliance officer for the COVID protocols. Uh, Aline Fortin is the medical officer he works with. Uh, and they have a whole separate uh, uh, load that's been added to their plate. Um, now, now, the same goes, remember, the Laval Rocket are also occupying the Bell Center. Uh, yeah. They're completely physically separated, so the two of them don't don't meet. Um and we, we have Glenn Kinney, the athletic therapist for the Rocket. He's a compliance officer on the Rockets, uh, on the Rocket, uh, their side. Uh, we heard uh, Amy Johnson ask uh, a question of, uh, of Joel Bouchard about their um, adherence to the, the protocol. And he spoke highly, again, of all the, the staff, uh, Glenn Kinney being one. Um, Eric, uh, the, the equipment guys, you know, the, the whole Seb, the, the whole range of them. So um, these are guys that uh, are kind of unsung heroes and, and uh, doing an amazing job. And, and the Canadians video that you referenced uh, gave us a peek into uh, yeah. their world. 
Yeah. And as you said, these guys are doing work behind the scenes as it is that gets, you know, doesn't get the attention that it that it truly deserves on a day to day basis. So now you add in these responsibilities on top of that. And boy, oh boy. Yeah, they're they're making this uh, making this go. And uh, it's very much appreciated. So I wanted to mention that um, as we, we've been discussing the covid protocols the last few weeks. And I think that's a very good example of all that is being done behind the scenes to make this season happen. Um, Rick, one thing that we discussed a few weeks ago or a little while ago now were uh, the outdoor games at Lake Tahoe and um, the images that have been posted on social media. And uh, I believe it was someone that had the the avalanche playing with the appropriate backdrop. Someone tweeted something (laughs) to that effect. I forget who it was, but they finally have the appropriate uh, backdrop for their name. Uh, And oh, man, it's it's beautiful. Just beautiful. Uh, the, the, the rink set up uh, on the 18th uh, hole of, of uh, the Lake Tahoe golf course. Um, th- there's actually going to be a pre-recorded clip uh, of uh, a hole-in-one attempt uh, that uh, is going to be interesting on the broadcast. But uh, <laughs> on Saturday, we're going to see the Vegas Golden Knights and, and uh, saw them in the practice. And they have those... Uh, crimson uh, jerseys, which is uh, which is different from them. They look pretty good. Yeah. Um, versus Colorado uh, tomorrow, uh, Philadelphia uh, minus about six players who are still in that COVID protocol will be facing yeah. off against Boston. Uh, but the as you said, the 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 visuals are just absolutely breathtaking. And uh, first for uh, 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 broadcast coverage of. A, uh, of an NHL game, a regular season NHL game, they're going to have, uh, uh, I think it's two drones in place that are going to be helping oh. to provide uh, some of the vistas and the backgrounds yeah. as they go to commercials. So uh, this is this is going to be, uh, yeah, t- uh, tune in for a bit uh, uh, because this is going to be a, a very interesting TV. Yeah, I think it was, and we said this at the time, a great idea during a time where you can't have fans in attendance you wanted to do these outdoor games like you've been doing every year and a great opportunity to do something really unique like this that obviously is going to be a very aesthetically pleasing as well so you're going to want to tune into those games vegas versus colorado philly shorthanded philly versus the boston bruins uh tomorrow on sunday as we're recording uh but rick we'll move on uh because Sidney crosby uh, he's going to play his uh, his 1,000th NHL game. Uh, I guess you can't really call him Sid the Kid anymore, can you? Uh, and uh, he says that he wants to stay with the Pittsburgh Penguins his entire career. Now, there's been some change in Pittsburgh. We touched on it last week. Some conversation that has existed about maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, at the end of their window to win more Stanley Cups. I mean, this is coming at a time where, you know, you, you, it's a pretty safe bet that that might come to pass, that Sidney Crosby would play out his entire career in Pittsburgh. But, you know, there's, there's always some Habs fans that are going to say something different, isn't there? <laughs> For sure. And uh, with the arrival of Brian Burke and Ron, Ron Hextall in Pittsburgh, um, immediately, certainly in Habs, uh, in Planet Habs, uh, there was a lot of speculation. All right, then. Uh, Sidney Crosby's not going to be happy with uh, with a rebuild, expecting that that, that would happen. Although uh, Brian Burke has said they want to win now, 
um, and then make uh, some decisions. But if it comes to a rebuild, Habs fans were speculating uh, Sidney Crosby's going to have no patience for that. He'll want to win, so why not bring him to Montreal? Uh, uh, you know his his uh, his boyhood uh, dream to play with the Montreal Canadiens and. Uh, it seems that, uh, at least for now, Sidney uh, Crosby has uh, kind of quashed those rumors. And, and this yeah. is why we, we are bringing it up here today, is um, because, uh, you know, he he said he doesn't know how much longer he's going to play. He's kind of being reflective on playing his thousandth game today, that um, he wants to play as long as he can. Um, but his quote is, I love playing here, here being in Pittsburgh, and this is where I'd love to play. For the rest of my career. Sorry, yeah. Habs fans. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to burst that bubble. But <laughs> Rick, <laughs> we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we're going to be handing out some grades for the first quarter of the season, 15 games in. It's a little bit bigger of a sample size than five. So we're going to go with it. Rick, we're going to take our first break uh, and we'll be back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team visit allhabs.net and click the join our team tab today in every city around the world sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints some good grub and to cheer for their team think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19 With me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, we are a quarter of the way through this compressed season, this condensed season, and uh, I think it's a good opportunity to take a look back at what's happened in the first, what, 15 games for the Montreal Canadiens this season. Yeah, 15 games, 9-4-2 record. They have 20 points. They currently sit 
fourth in their division. Uh, the teams that are ahead of them have uh, at least uh, all the teams that have played at least two games more than the Canadians. And you'd expect that given the Canadians have been off since last week. So with them sitting relatively pretty in a playoff position at this point in time, uh, this has been a pretty good start for the Montreal Canadiens. And I think that's reflective in how many of the guys um, that I think have been very, very good at the start of this season. But that doesn't mean that there aren't guys that need to do more, as Mark Bergevin touched on, uh, as the players themselves, Tomas Tatar, Paul Byron touched on. Rick, what have you made of the beginning of this season? And what do you think, who, who you think has been the biggest the biggest stars for the Canadians and the guys that you you just need more from well I think um you know we tried to predict this um yeah. at at the <laughs> beginning who was going to make the biggest impact and at, at that point we were focused on the newcomers yeah. um and um you know at the beginning I I you said uh, Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson's been great. I said Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli's been great. Uh, we're, we're certainly both right there. And um, I think that, that um, you know, it, it shows, I, I think, the guys who are excelling, and given that they are new to the team, it kind of shows why the Montreal Canadiens were a 24th place team last year and how they've been able to to make a big jump up to be uh, an expected um, a playoff uh, team this year. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I think there's there's no question that, that Tyler Toffoli, in my books, has been, um, he's provided that spark. Uh, he's provided those offense, and not just. I mean, he's he he had a heyday against the Vancouver Canucks, <laughs> but not just against the the Vancouver Canucks. Um, we look at uh, Dom Lasician's uh, his his uh, game score uh, uh, formula that he put together to kind of take into account uh, offense and and defense and and how everybody is contributing. And if we look at the, the, the top single-game performances using that metric this year, Tyler Toffoli is on the, uh, out of the top 10. Tyler Toffoli is on the list three times. Um, so I, I, th- I think that that really uh, says something. Uh, Brennan Gallagher is there. Nick Suzuki is there. Uh, Jeff Petrie is there. But Tyler Toffoli is there three times. And, and certainly um, he's been everything uh, you wanted him to be. There was some question about, well, can he contribute on his off wing? Will he play on his uh, strong side? Uh, and and he's adapted to the situation. Um, uh, I, I I think um, you know a little less so when he moved to to the Dano line, uh, trying to yeah. spark Dano. Uh, but still, that said, uh, I think Tyler Toffoli's been great. Um, really liked uh, Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki. Uh, the last few games is um, yeah. uh, maybe dropped back a bit, but he's been very strong. Um, as far as the forwards go, um, those are the guys that uh, that I'm seeing that, that have really uh, had a, a positive impact on this team. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. And for Nick Suzuki, and I think that I, I agree with you that there has been a drop-off. I believe he's just got one assist in his last five games, something like that. The production has not been there the way that it was to start this season. But we talked about this before the season two, right, is that the Montreal Canadiens in the bubble against Pittsburgh, against Philadelphia, they relied heavily on the production of Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. 
right? It was uh, Kevin Hayes that said they were driving the bus, right? They were the guys <laughs> that were driving the offense. And that was true. And the one thing that you needed to guard for, the one thing you needed to be prepared for, was that that wasn't going to last over a 56 game season that there was going to be there were going to be highs and lows for Suzuki and for Kotkaniemi and I think that we've seen that to this point but Nick Suzuki's start to the season was so remarkable that, that he's he's in the A like he's in the A range for me just from that start to the season he was remarkable and you've seen that there's maybe a little bit of a, of a struggle the last few games but that's that's fine that's that's a young player finding his way but yeah, I'd agree with you. Tyler Toffoli's been fantastic. Josh Anderson has been every bit the power horse that Thomas Tatar, the, the name that he coined for him at the beginning of the season, he's been every bit of that power horse that you've come to expect. You know, and I think that guys like Brendan Gallagher, I think he has not been as effective as you may have expected him to be or have come to expect him to be for, you know, the in terms of production. He's only got six goals, three assists for nine points on the year. But he's Brendan Gallagher, and we saw last week that Brendan Gallagher, I think, has the capability among all the forwards. I think he's got the biggest capability of just saying, we're getting this win. Hop on my back. We're getting it. You know, (laughs) He has the capability to do that in a limited stretch, but he can do it, and that's what we saw last week. But yeah, other than that, I think that there have been some strong... Yoel Armia has been... He's only been in for eight games, and in those eight games, uh, he has... Five points, two goals, three assists. He looks dominant on the puck. Uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, as I said, is sort of been going through that same thing Nick Suzuki has, where it's slowed up in terms of production, but doing the right things. He won 77% of his draws against the Leafs yep. last week. So you're seeing the steady growth uh, come, even though it's maybe not showing up on the score sheet. It's there. You you, you see it. It's there. The possession play from Kotkaniemi is great. So up front, I think there's largely been a lot to like for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'll just add that uh, you mentioned Armia. Um, Armia was brought up uh, in uh, Mark Bergevin's presser uh, when when it was said, um, uh, you know, Phil Deneau, oh, well, you got to understand he's he's in a contract season. So uh, you got to understand and 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 that uh, his production may be down and. And uh, uh, Mark Bergevin said, what about Yol Armia? Uh, he doesn't have yep. a contract, and he's having a great season. Uh, yep. The other thing I'll just uh, tag on to uh, uh, your comments, uh, um, Claude Julien has a, f- a four-line system, uh, and that means all four lines have to be strong. You have to be able to rely on the fourth line and throw them out there, um, you know, not shelter them, and we yep. haven't seen them sheltered. Uh, Jake Evans has been great. Arturi Lekkonen has been uh, oh, superb. Uh, and so those guys do, do, uh, deserve strong marks um, as well. It, playing in a different role, certainly a, a less uh, maybe impactful role than than a, a Toffoli uh, uh, offensively, but they're, uh, they're much needed uh, in the role that they play, uh, both Evans and, and, uh, and Lekkonen. And listen, I, I'm I think Thomas Tatar getting back in there, and Thomas Tatar has been a little bit, and he talked about it. His game isn't where it needs to be right now. The one thing that I that uh, I'm not as enthused about him getting back in the lineup is it means that Lekkinen gets bumped back down to the fourth line, and you don't get to see uh, what a line that I believe has been one of the more consistent. A lot of chemistry between them. Yasperi Kakinyemi, Arturi Lekkinen, Yoel Armia. Those right. are guys that just are monsters on the puck and even though they don't it doesn't always generate offense they're momentum building shifts that then 
The other lines build on those, right? And that's the one thing I would like to see uh, Arturi Lekin in a higher usage role uh, than a fourth-line player. But regardless, uh, I think he's been everything that you could want and then some as a fourth line or as a penalty killer. Uh, we talked about the high-risk, high-reward penalty kill. We saw him score a beauty against Vancouver, pressuring the puck handler and uh, going in and scoring on Brayden Holtby. I mean, he's he's done everything that you could you could want. But, but Rick, I, I guess we'll move on to the defense at this point because there was a lot that was talked about with the defense heading into this season because Mark Bergevin... As you talked about, maybe swimming upriver a little bit, going against the stream in terms of what has become the norm in the NHL where you have mobile puck movers back there. The Canadians, they don't they don't have that. They have physical guys that play that hard-nosed style. And you really rely on Jeff Petrie as one of the guys that could, one of the only guys that can move the puck. You've seen it in, in spurts from Romanoff. Um, and, and I think that you've seen... You know, a little bit of, of, you know, the rookie come out in, in Alexander Romanoff. Though he's been fine. I don't have any issues with Alexander Romanoff. Uh, but they've relied on Petrie and Romanoff in particular uh, to be those puck-moving defensemen because you're not getting it from you're not getting it from Joel Edmondson and Ben Sherratt, right? Like, that that's the reality of the situation. But, but overall, I think you can look at the defensive core and, and say a lot of the same things you say about the forwards. I mean, it's... They're, they're getting the job done for the most part. I, I, it's interesting to, to follow the, uh, the fan comments and even some of the media uh, who seem to want all the defensemen to play like Jeff Petrie. Um, yeah. and, and, you ha- and Jeff Petrie's off to a great start and certainly is, is uh, one of the, the most impactful uh, defensemen, not only on the Canadians, yeah. but in the National Hockey League. Um, but uh, Jeff Petrie doesn't necessarily play a physical uh, uh, game. He he will hurt you by uh, his puck moving ability, uh, and less so by a physical game. And so you he needs to be complemented by a Shea Weber, who is one yeah. of the toughest defensemen in the National Hockey League to play against. Uh, also, uh, Ben Sherratt, you mentioned uh, Joel Edmonston plays that. Uh, I say Edmonston. Edmondson uh, yeah. plays that that <laughs> physical style. So um, the as you said, uh, Mark Bergevin has uh, has constructed his uh, defensive core a little bit differently, um, and and I think that 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 you're getting uh, what you want out of a Shea Weber, out of a Jeff Petrie, um, out of Ben Sherratt. Um Edmondson, uh, you know, when you look at, at the game score numbers, uh, again, a credit to Dom Lecician. Um, Joel Edmondson, he, he finds himself on the bottom average game score. Now, part of that is going to be that you're not going to get any offense out of him, and, and, and that's acknowledged. Uh, but, you know, when, when you're, when you're uh, relying on... Uh, the Canadians, I think, ran into some of that when they went into their goal-scoring drought that a second-pairing defenseman uh, kind of needs to be part of, of uh, supporting uh, the offense, and you weren't necessarily getting that, and, and, uh, uh, and that's caused some issues there. Um, Victor Mate is, um, you know, I, I, th- I thought he had a really good game last week against uh, against the Leafs, uh, but he's he's had his struggles. Alexander Romanov, um, he started great, and um, Mark Bergevin referenced this on Monday, saying 
Uh, then he got a little bit uh, confident and cocky and tried to yeah. do too much and got himself yeah. into trouble. And he needs to come back to, to earth and, and focus on a, on a more uh, simple game. Brett Kulak, uh, we saw it in the bubble. Brett Kulak can be excellent, can be very good in short uh, stretches, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, don't have too much chocolate, don't have too much Brett Kulak. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, uh, and, 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 and we've seen some, some difficulty there. So interestingly enough, uh, Kale Fleury, uh, now on the, uh, taxi squad, uh, and wasn't in the lineup last night, uh, for the Laval Rocket. Uh, it, it could all be cap related. Uh, but is there, is there, uh, an interest in, in weaving him into the lineup with, with Kulak and uh, Victor Mete being somewhat uh, inconsistent in their play. Yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting element to add there, and I, I was a big fan of Fleury last year, I know, and, and he got sent down, and we didn't see him, and, and I think that he brings an element, a physical element that you could use, and he's also he got the ability to move the puck a little bit, so right. I, we saw it in spurts last year, so it might be might be a beneficial thing to try and see what exactly it gets you but yeah I, I think for the most part I, I agree with you I think listen you you're not getting you you know exactly and this is the thing right is it's hard to say anything about Joel Edmondson because I don't know if anyone that was really paying attention at the time that that signing was made was really expecting Joel Edmondson to do more than he's done to this point right like he is who he is, and I think, listen, I think that I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that it was a bad move to go out and get him. If you want to go and get Joel Edmondson, you go get Joel Edmondson, <laughs> but you get a lot of the similarities between him and Ben Sherrod, and he maybe doesn't do the things that Ben Sherrod does, you know, it, that has shown that he can do in the last year, and then there was, there was some trepidation about Ben Sherrod at the time, too, right? Like, there was a, there was a growing period that had to take place for Ben Sherrod to be this more reliable version of Ben Sherratt that we see playing alongside Shea Weber. So I, I think it's it's been a fine experiment to see if this more physical defensive core can get you to, uh, to the playoffs and how effective it might be, if it can wear teams down. That'll be interesting to see as we go down the stretch if it really benefits the Canadians that they have those type of defensemen. But yeah, as you say, it puts a lot of pressure on Jeff Petrie to be the puck mover it's on Alexander Romanoff. And, and sometimes, you know, you you play a rookie that type of, uh, of role, you're going to live by the sword and die by the sword sometimes because they're, you know, they're, they're excited. They want to make something happen. Rookies are like that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if the Canadians get that play out of their defensive core. But we should move on to, I think, what has been at the forefront of every conversation with respect to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, rightly or wrongly. And we touched on it last week. We touched on it earlier in the, in the first segment. There's conversation that is happening that Jake Allen should be the guy that if the Montreal Canadiens are playing on a Saturday night, that it should be Jake Allen in between the pipes not Carey Price. And that was heading into the game against the Leafs last week. And uh, you referenced the article from Marc-Antoine Godin in The Athletic, where he put context into all 24 goals that Carey Price had allowed. And um, what was the conclusion that Marc-Antoine came to in, in that article? 
it, it's interesting because um, the the leaning the 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 um, the the leaning for say an Arpin Basu or or um, Marc Antoine Gaudin are uh, that that they're not going to give the benefit of the doubt to Carey Price. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so. Um, you know, he heard what we heard in Carey Price when he was asked, how's your season going? And and uh, that was back a week, yep. a little more than a week ago, where he said, um, I've been playing well. Uh, and he, he went on to compliment uh, Jake Allen as well. Uh, and everybody was, oh, wait a minute here. Um, because that's telling everybody that Carey Price's goals against is, you know. And, and uh, yeah. so it, it caused some... Uh, ruffles uh, from the usual suspects, and and mm-hmm. so to his credit, <laughs> Mark Antoine Gaudin said, uh, "Okay, let's look at the goals that he's given up, and and um, and see what it is." And it turns out there's 24 goals that uh, were scored have been scored on Carey Price. Um, of that number, seven came on uh, a team's power play while the, the the Habs were on the penalty kill. And as we've said, the Canadians have not been good on the penalty kill. Uh, you heard Mark uh, Bergevin's comments, and and that there's the tendency that um, the Canadians have been playing much more aggressive. Um, but Mark Bergevin said that there's a real fine line. Uh, if you get too aggressive, you can get burned yeah. uh, pretty quickly, and we've seen that with with uh, with the Canadians. Um, and and uh, when you look at it, they, it's it's almost equally almost equally that the penalty kill hasn't been uh, a friend of either Jake Allen or Carey Price. Um, so as they go through, uh, Mark Antoine Godin, that is, goes through. He's identified what he would call two bad goals out of the twenty-four on Carey Price. Um, and even even at that, he said Carey Price wasn't the only person at fault. Uh, he looked at the 24 goals and said uh, there was coverage breakdowns, there was um, you know, deflections, there was uh, screening, there was um, you know bad turnover. We think of Jonathan Drouin's bad turnover, um, and and he said in every case um, uh, that uh, and 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 also there was nice plays on the other side of the yep. uh, the puck. Um, he said in every case. There were breakdowns from the Canadians uh, that happened prior to the goal being scored. Um, so his conclusion was um, that uh, Price was right to say that he's been playing well. Okay, great. And then he took the next step. But he said, well, maybe that's good enough. Um, maybe it's not about the goals that he's allowing. Maybe it's about that he needs to make extra saves because he's getting that extra sum of money. And so we just pick up the goalposts and we move them over here uh, yeah. to set a new standard, uh, which I thought was okay. Well, that's that's funny. Uh, and But he acknowledges that uh, those big saves, those extra saves, those timely saves um, that, that really make the difference are often forgotten about after the fact. Uh, so those are harder to measure. And, and so I, I, th- I think what was acknowledged here... No, what, what I know was acknowledged here is that... Carey Price was justified in saying what he said, and that anyone who's looking at the the, the Canadians' goaltending, whether it's Price, whether it's Allen, are, are just off base in talking about the yeah. uh, the problems that have existed um, with with the Montreal Canadiens' goaltending has been solid. Uh, end of point. Yeah, and, and look, 
they say about goaltending, goaltending is supposed to be the last line of defense, which means that there needs to be defense that occurs for the other team to go through in which they then get to the goaltender to have a shot. And as we've seen, there have been too many high-quality scoring opportunities. Last week, Philip Deneau loses a puck battle so cleanly to Austin Matthews. And who, Mitch Marner, who I believe at the time of that game was what third in NHL scoring in the ballpark, like in the top five of NHL scoring. How are you losing Mitch Marner in the slot? Like there needs to be some attention devoted to what is happening in front of both Jake Allen and Carey Price. And this is again to say that Jake Allen, as you said, has also been good. He's been good. Yeah, I, I have him as a B and I have Carey Price as, as an A because Carey Price is not the problem at all in any way, shape, or form for this team. It is coming down to making those effort plays in your own zone, not blowing coverages, not turning the puck over three consecutive times, trying to carry it out of your zone, as we saw against the Leafs in the midweek game last week. Right? Like That's something that if you do that enough, if you give teams opportunities, they are going to make you pay. That is the reality. You can't give teams that many opportunities to beat your goaltender. It's, they're eventually going to capitalize on it. And just to put a final point on it, uh, to answer that question, is Carey Price making the, the big saves? Carey Price, a remind, we talked about it uh, on, on last week's episode, Carey Price leads the NHL in a safe percentage against high danger scoring chances. Yep. So uh, Carey Price is making the, those big saves. Absolutely. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens going to hope for some big saves tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs again. As we saw last week, Carey Price allowed the Canadiens to uh, take two whole periods to settle into that game before they uh, got their offensive their offensive uh, output going. But anyways, Rick, we'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. 
Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 124 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, Rick, we wanted to take some time to discuss a very cool contest that will be coming up, and it's uh, going to be starting on Monday. It is. Um, as you know, we've been talking over the past few weeks that we are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, and uh, in the Hockey Podcast Network, um, I'm going to have to count the shows, but I think there's a show for, for every franchise in the National Hockey League. And, yeah. um, and uh, we're proud to be uh, one of the, the Montreal Canadiens uh, podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, in a contest sponsored by DraftKings on um, starting Monday, um, we will be uh, tweeting uh, from the All Habs Twitter account. All Habs, you should be following on Twitter. Uh, we will be tweeting um, a, uh, a contest post. And so look for that. And it's your chance to win a National Hockey League jersey. Montreal Canadian jersey, I would recommend. Um, of course. <laughs> and... Um, the uh, we're competing with all the other podcasts in the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, that if our contest post gets the most ret- retweets, then we get to select one of our followers uh, to uh, to win the jersey. So look for that. Look for that tweet coming from All Habs about uh, the uh, Canadians Connection podcast. Retweet it. And if you're following Habs Connection, that's the Canadians Connection podcast Twitter account is at Habs Connection. And if you also have to be following the Hockey Podcast Network uh, on Twitter, then you'll be automatically um, uh, entered into the the contest. Um, and if we get to uh, if we get the most retweets on that post, uh, then we'll be able to pick our winner. Now at the same time. Uh, yeah. Our sister podcast is going to also be competing. <laughs> the Press Zone is also going to be competing for that title, and uh, they'll be giving away a Laval Rocket jersey. Uh, so you're going to want to wa- watch for a tweet coming from at uh, the AHL Report. Um, they're they're going to be posting uh, uh, as well a contest post. So you're going to want to enter twice and double yeah. your chances of of getting either Canadians jersey or a Laval Rocket jersey. Great contest from our uh, partners at the Hockey Podcast Network and uh, sponsored by DraftKings. Absolutely. some A great idea from uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, as you said, sponsored by DraftKings. And yeah, very excited to be a part of that. So keep your eyes peeled for that Monday. Um, so, Rick, uh, before we uh, wrap this show up, just wanted to say, if, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at JoeWhalen19, yesterday um, I, I tweeted out, Uh, that uh, my grandmother, unfortunately, uh, passed away yesterday at the age of of 92. Um, uh, And uh, anyways, it's uh, it's 
I, I received some great support from our team, the Rocket Sports team, uh, and uh, on social media as well. So I wanted to say thank you to those that have reached out and uh, sent their best uh, during this time. But I just wanted to say that, you know, and, and we talked about perhaps, you know, not doing the podcast today and, and, and sort of reflecting on that. And, and I wanted to do it because up until about a year or so ago, every time that I went and I asked and I, or I went and I saw uh, my grandmother, she'd always ask, are, are you keeping up with the hockey? Are you keeping up with the hockey? Do you, are you watching the hockey? And, and uh, yeah, every, every time, every time. Yeah. I was, I was keeping up, uh, keeping up with the hockey. So I, I wanted to honor her this way by keeping up with the hockey for an hour talking some hockey with you and uh and it actually so happens uh that my grandmother whose name is margaret uh, it just so happens that uh, she was a fan of of both the toronto maple leafs and the montreal canadians who are playing tonight and so i thought that that would be a very fitting way uh for me uh to honor her and um and uh yeah it's uh I, i'm i'm really um yeah, as I said, I'm 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 very much um, I'm very much gracious for everyone that that has reached out. Um, it's meant a lot to me. Um, so, thank you. Well, we're uh, yeah uh, we 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 pass on our condolences from the entire Rocket Sports team to to you, Joe, to uh, your mom and dad, and your entire family. Um, uh, Margaret is 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 not someone I knew, but. Um, uh, she raised uh, a pretty cool f- hockey family, and and yeah. uh, your dad, um, you know, I've been in his company a few times, and and he's a great Habs, passionate Habs fan, and we always have great conversations. I always enjoy talking to him, and of course, I have the good fortune to talk to you every single week uh, about the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, so uh, we're 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 proud to uh, dedicate this show. Uh, in the memory of Margaret and um, and and uh, very fitting uh, that uh, you know she's a great uh, a can- a Canadian hockey fan and and her love of, of both the Leafs uh, and the Habs uh, with the two teams uh, playing to- playing tonight um, hopefully that that brings uh, some good memories uh, for your entire family Thank you, Rick. And, and yeah, as you said, the Montreal Canadiens uh, playing against the Leafs tonight. Uh, it'll be at Montreal this time. They were at Toronto last week. It'll be at Montreal this time. And then they head off for two games against the Ottawa Senators tomorrow, the second half of a back-to-back, as we talked about. Might be some lineup changes. Uh, and then the 23rd as well. And then you finally get to see, you get your first look at the Winnipeg Jets on the 25th. So that'll be very interesting to see so rick uh we will say goodbye for another week here on the canadians connection podcast we'll be right back with you next week discussing all things montreal canadians thank you for tuning in to the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio click subscribe so you never miss an episode of canadians connection visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the montreal canadians